building healthy relationships, building healthy relationships better together. And we've been picking apart a bunch of different verses. And today I have a few different verses for us and I want to wrap it up in a big way. Um, So I'm going to give you the verses ahead of time. And if you want to write those down, you can. I do have quite a bit. Is that okay? Because that's where all the authority is. That's where all the power is, right? Is in the Word of God. And so uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We're also going to be in Matthew chapter 18. And then we're going to close in 1 John chapter 4. Close in 1 John chapter 4. Matthew 18. And then Matthew chapter 5. If you don't have your Bibles, we're going to put it on the screens for you as well. Uh, But we're going to dive into that of what that looks like. But I just want to pray for us. Ask God to speak to our hearts. Uh, It is October. Who can believe it, right? Already October, and we have something that we call every October uh, Missions Month. One of our, uh, just our desires, our deep desires for us as a church when we planted is we wanted to add value to the community. We wanted to engage the community. And so uh, the holidays are coming up, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and we have a lot of different ways that our church is going to go outside of these walls and engage the community and serve them. And so we're going to be talking about that over the next four weeks, and we love just to get people involved, and it's pretty cool to see what God does when we do that, when we meet people where they are out in the community. And so, uh, but let me pray for us, ask God just to speak to our hearts here this morning, and uh, we'll get rocking and rolling. So let's pray together. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your truth. Uh, Thank you for uh, today. Thank you for just the breath in our lungs and thank you for this beautiful weather and uh, thank you for the faces that uh, the smiles, the hugs, the handshakes as we're walking in and just living in community together, God. And God, we praise you so much. And God, we just pray today uh, that your word would speak to our hearts, God. I pray that I would decrease so that you may increase. I pray that you stir something in us so that we know just the value of the relationships and the people and how important they are in our lives and how we can navigate those times, even when it is tough and even when it is difficult, God. Uh, We love you. We ask all this in Jesus name we pray. And everybody said amen. 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 Uh, Does anybody have a uh, favorite candy that you like? Does anybody have a favorite candy that you like? One that just pulls you in every single time? I'm going to tell you what mine is. Peanut butter M&M's. So good, right? Like those are it. I have a love-hate relationship with them, right? Uh, because they are so good. Uh, but if you, oh, then you take them and you put them in the refrigerator. Man, make you slap your mama, right? Like just as beautiful. That's a southern term from the north, sorry. Uh, sounds offensive, but uh, it's so good. I put it in the refrigerator, you pull that thing out, and they are so good. But I have a love-hate relationship with them, right? Because I can't just eat like four of them. You know, like we had some this past week and they were in the refrigerator and I opened them and I got like four and then I put it back in the refrigerator and I walked away and I ate those and then I just felt myself like, yeah, I better go back, right? Like I opened the refrigerator again and then I get four more and four more and no matter the size of the bag, I'm going to eat the whole bag, right? It could be the small bag, it could be the king size, it could be the shareable one that's like this big, but don't leave it in front of me because I'll just, I'll just keep going, right? Just keep eating those. And so the, the love-hate relationship that I have, and when I was thinking about this series, I was thinking about that dynamic of love-hate relationship. And I think about life in general because I think if you were to look at your life and I'm looking at my life, we're looking at the people who are in our life. It could be the people who are closest to us that we absolutely dearly love. And it could be the people that at work that you're just like, oh boy, here they come, right? Like, no matter who it is in our life, we look at them and go, they have a major impact 
in the quality of my life, right? They have a huge, pe- the people in my life. In fact, the Bible will even tell us over and over again that the company that we keep will ultimately help determine the direction that we go, right? And what God is going to do and how he's going to flow through people in our lives. And when we think about even the scope of eternity, what's the only thing that's going to go with us to eternity? People, right? The people who are in our lives. And we see just this dynamic, this amazing piece. But do you know what the problem with relationships is? Relationships would be so easy if it didn't involve people, right? Like like the, the problem is... The relationship is people, right? He's kind of got this dynamic, this love-hate relationship of relationships are so important, they're so vital, they add so much quality to our lives, but yet the problem and the difficulty is is that people are involved, right? And, and we all fall short. Every single one of us falls short. Every single one of us make mistakes. Every single one of us, or at some point, in some moment of our life, we're going to say the wrong thing. We're going to do the wrong thing. We're going to offend somebody from what we say, from what we do, right? Because we see in the Bible, all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, that sin entered the world, and that every, the Bible tells us, every single person falls short. And we battle this inward selfish desire. We battle this sinful nature inside of us. And we see this constant pull and tug, right? And then on top of that, we have the enemy whose main goal is to divide, right? Is try to put a wedge in between people because he knows how valuable relationships can be in our life. And we see that. And so if you're taking notes today, I would love for you to take notes. I actually have a lot. So you give me a week off and then I come back with like overloaded of notes. Um, so if you want to take notes, I'd love for you to do that. And the first thing for you and I to realize in our life is, is that no one is perfect, right? No one is perfect. We all are, are going to fall short. Every person that we are in relationship with, if we're in relationship with them more than probably a month, right? We realize, oh, we're going to make mistakes, right? But the question is, is what do we do when we make a mistake? What do we do when we fall short? Not only that, what do we do when, some, when we don't have any control over the other person and they fall short and they hurt us and they put a wedge into our relationship? Now what do we do, right? And we have all of these different opinions. And I bet if you and I were to walk around the low country or walk around our workplace and we go, hey, what is the method that, that we should do when you resolve conflict? You would probably get a hundred different answers, right? We'd probably get, depending on personality, whether you're a challenger and you just want to challenge and you like to fight and you want to engage in that. Or if you're kind of more of a flight person where you're going to step back and just we're going to avoid it at all costs, right? And so depending on even what our personalities are, It'll change how we resolve conflict. And so today I'd like for us to talk about how do we fight fair, right? Because we're going to have an opportunity in our life of conflict. And how are we to resolve that? Not only that, as Christians, right? We're going, how do we resolve it in a godly way? How does God call us to do that? And not only that, how do we resolve it to where on the other end of it, both of us actually come out stronger? And our relationship comes out stronger because of even the conflict. And we see that because it's all it's going to happen. No one is going to escape through life, right, of realizing that. And we have to 
understand that God is calling us to a fight, so to speak, in a particular way, have conflict in a particular way. And this is so important that we see in Matthew chapter 5. He said, uh, we see this in the book of Matthew, and this is what is happening here, and this is as Jesus is teaching. He says this in verse 23. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court. Lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to guard and you be put in prison. We see this picture, right, where Jesus is teaching. He's going, hey, you, you come to church and you come to the altar and you pray before the Lord and you have this prayer that you want to send up to God, this worship, this praise that you want to send to him. And then as you walk up, you realize, oh, man, I, I, I have this, this conflict with my brother in Christ, with my sister in Christ. Jesus looks in and he goes, you know what, leave, leave, the, leave that. Set it to the side. Go reconcile with your brother and sister in Christ and then come back to the altar, right? We see this picture that, that Jesus places us and puts it in the right realm for you and I. If you're taking notes, our relationship with people is directly connected to our relationship with God. Our relationship with people is directly connected to our relationship with God. And here's the thing is, we, I could switch uh, our relationship with God is directly connected to our relationship with people. I could switch those two because G what God is trying to teach us is that the way that we walk with people comes from how we're in relationship with God. It flows through that. Uh, Jason preached on that more uh, last week and that flows from our relationship with God. But also, Jesus is kind of flipped in the script here. He's going, if we claim to love God and we're doing all these religious acts, but yet we're not treating people correctly right we're not living in this relationship where we're reconciling and, and building these relationships then it's going to affect our relationship with God right because God wants us to realize hey well you're missing something here I want to flow through you into your relationships but if you and I were to, to look at this it's not easy, right? Because there's so many multiple levels of relationships. And I even felt this tension preparing and studying for this message because you and I have all of these multi-layered relationships. We have relationships at work with non-believers in our neighborhood and the people that we interact with in the world and on Facebook. I mean, I mean, it's all kind of crazy stuff, right? Instagram and we're interacting with all these different levels of people. But then we have people who are close to us, right? People who we have invited into our lives. We have maybe our spouse. Maybe we have kids. Maybe we have our church members and that are here together in this class, in this realm together. And all of these different layers of relationships. So what do we do when there's conflict, right? And Jesus gives us that first motive of going, what I want, God's heart is to reconcile those relationships. God's heart, his desire is to bring people together. And the enemy's desire is to what? Divide. He wants to break people apart. But you and I, we know that God's desire, ultimately his goal out in front is to bring people together. And we see that. But I think if we can live more than five minutes to go, whew, well, how do we do that, right? Because we are emotional beings, right? If somebody offends us or if somebody hurts us, I know sometimes my first thought is, is ooh, I can't wait to get them back, right? Like we, we wrestle with this tension of what do we do? And then, depending on the level of hurt, 
it takes even more work, right? Depending on the level of hurt, it takes even more work to go, even deeper work, right? To find that healing in God first and then to move into what this looks like. And honestly, we could do a whole series just on this one particular topic, but we're going to bring this in. And I believe there is this beautiful uh, way that God calls us to resolve conflict. And God, when Jesus teaches, he starts with his church. And so the context that he is talking about is in the church right here in Matthew chapter 18. And he says, when you have conflict, here's how I want you to resolve it in the church. But I believe it will overflow into other areas of our life uh, that we can see the principles from it. And we'll kind of go from there. So in Matthew chapter 18, this is what Jesus says in verse 15. Everybody still doing okay? Verse 15, it says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my father in heaven for where two or three are gathered in my name. There I am among them. That last verse, I'm not preaching on verse 20, but that's a good verse for the church, right? It doesn't matter if there's a thousand people in the room. It could be three of us in the room. But God is saying, when you're gathered under my name, I am there with them. And so he begins to give us this picture, right? He says, if a brother sins against you, if a sister sins against you, then the first thing that you and I, that God calls us to do, the first thing is to go to that person one-on-one and go, hey, I, you did this to me. I'm not sure maybe you even realized, right? But this happened and I wanted to make you aware of it, right? And I can remember some of the early days in the work field and I remember coming across Matthew chapter 18 really early on in the work and where I was working and where I was working. I'm not going to tell you where, but I may have been a school teacher and there was a lot of gossip going around, right? Like all of these different things and people were talking about this and talking about this kid and talking about all of that and uh, teachers would talk. I mean, sorry, now I'm just letting it go, whatever. But I didn't teach here. It was in Atlanta. The teachers, it doesn't happen here, does it? No. Okay. They were talking about each other. They're talking about students and all of these different things. Right. And I remember I was a young Christian and I read Matthew chapter 18 and I was like, oh, this is good. And I remember going back and trying to practice it where somebody would bring me something. And then at one time somebody told me something that somebody thought that I said, like I offended them. So I was like, Matt, the Holy Spirit brought Matthew 18 to me. I was like, oh, here we go. So then I left that conversation and I went to them one on one. Right. And then I learned God. I believe God begins to show us because when we hear something, what does your mind do? My mind likes to go to worst case scenario. I don't know. It's like, right. Like I heard this worst case scenario. We're about to fist fight in the hallway. Right. Like all of these different things. Right. Because you go to worst case scenario. But for you and I, we have to reprogram our mind. And I have to go back and go, no, let me assume the best. Because if it, the, the script was flipped, I would want them to respect me enough to go, I heard this, but let me assume the best. 
and let me go have this conversation from assume. Let me let them prove me wrong first, right? Like I'm going to assume. I'm going to give you the respect and go. You know what? I'm assuming the best, and so I'm going to come to you one on one first. Right before I talk to anybody else, before I uh, blast it on Facebook or, uh, you know, all these things, right? Like, I'm going to go one on one first and go, hey, this, I'm assuming the best. And I just tell you that so and so just said this. And I, I just, I want to find out, want to hear from you what this means or what this looks like, right? And then in that moment, we, we get to have a picture. Now, now we're going to react off of what they say. And now we're at least giving them an opportunity to go, you know what? I did say that. And I'm sorry, right? But then the Bible being so good and rich in wisdom, if they don't do that, it gives us another layer to go to, right? To begin to allow this to happen. And this can happen in multiple different layers. It can happen with our spouse. It can happen with our kids. It can happen to coworkers. All of these different pieces to go, you know what? Let me go to them one-on-one first. Let me have this conversation first. And I'm going to assume the best First, and then it says the next layer. Second is if it doesn't work or maybe they're like, no, I didn't say that. Whatever, whatever happened. Or maybe, you know, that they offended you and they did something that really hurt you. But yet they don't want to own it. What the Bible says is come back and find godly counsel or godly wisdom to come back to that. Secondly, we bring in godly counsel and help, right? This could be in a, in a couple different forms. It could be some people from the church. It could be somebody that you trust, right? And the reason why I say godly counsel is because the context of Matthew chapter 18 is inside the church, right? Because I know if I bring somebody along with me, because here's what I, I sometimes people like to do, right? I'm going to go recruit somebody who's on my side. Right. Like I'm going to recruit somebody who um, let me tell you the story. Let me tell you how from my side looks like. And all right, I'm recruiting somebody who's, who is on my side. But what we need to recruit are people who's on God's side. Right. Somebody who can step back as like a third party to go, OK, I'm hearing yours and I'm hearing yours. Sometimes this can come in the form of a godly counselor. Right. To step back and go, we need a third person in here to begin to talk through this of what this looks like. But if we just bring somebody in who's just on our side, who's going to be the yes man of going, yeah, this is what happens. You know, it becomes one of those things where we're now we're just attacking that person because of what we want to accomplish. And here's another like kind of layer to this is that I think we can follow this even if somebody offends us. But the Bible is very clear if someone sins against us. Right. And I think there's a difference between someone sinning against us and someone hurting our feelings, right? Like there's a difference and a different layer to that. The Bible goes directly to, hey, they have sinned. What the Bible has said is sin. And so we want to go and reconcile that relationship. But I think we could follow this formula maybe just to a lighter degree, right? If this happens, if somebody offends us and we talk with them, because how healthy can it be for you and I if we're in a relationship with someone to go, hey, Yesterday you said this, and I wanted to come to you first. I just wanted to let you know how it made me feel, right? And now all of a sudden we're getting this honesty, and if I'm on the receiving end of somebody that I love, somebody that is closest to me, I want to know I said that, right? Like, I want to know because I want us to be healthy. I want us to be stronger. I want to know, oh, Okay, I saw that. I'm so sorry. I sh I, maybe we should say it this way or whatever it may be, right? Or maybe we just create some clarity of what that looks like. And we see this dynamic begin to happen, right? Of, of how we can work this out. And it changes the game because can you imagine if the outside world were peeking in, going, y'all fight too? 
wow, y'all, y'all argue too. Y'all fall short too. And they're peeking in and looking at how we treat each other and how we resolve and the work that we put in to, to reconcile relationships. And they're going, oh, I want that. It's like y'all came out healthier. You came out stronger in the conflict. How did you do that? What does that look like, right? And we see this dynamic begin to play out. Now, it doesn't always happen this way, right? And we even see here in Matthew chapter 18, uh, he gives us this picture and he says, lastly, there is a time and a moment in our life where we may have to give someone, release them to God. To go, you know what? I've done everything that I can do, right? I've brought brought it to them one-on-one. I've brought in godly wisdom. I've brought in godly counsel. So now I just have to release them to God. God, you have to work on their heart now. God, you have to reconcile that because I can't keep doing this because they haven't changed. There's no heart change. There's no repentance. There's none of these things. God, I have to release them to you. Now, I will say this is in the context of church membership. The only other layer I would put in here is if you're in a marriage situation, God is not calling us to go, whoop, I'm out, right? Here we go. Right. Like that's not what God is saying here. Right. Because but there is a moment where we have to go, you know what, God, you're going to have to work in their heart. Right. Here in this moment. So the releasing that God is talking about here is in the church. We see that the, the different dynamic that he sees here. But what, as he talks about it, there's a time when you and I, because there is a moment where they're just not going to change. But we will continue to pray. We will continue. And here's another layer too, is that God calls us to forgive offenses so it no longer has the power over us, right? There's a, there's a difference right here too of between forgiveness and reconciliation. God calls us to forgive every offense, Right. Like he calls us to forgive because if we don't forgive, we're carrying it around like a suitcase, like this loaded up backpack of uh, and all of a sudden, if we keep carrying, it's going to get heavier. It's going to get heavier. And I don't know if you've ever done this before and you keep playing it over and over again in your mind. And it's just dominating your mind because you're playing over what happened and we haven't forgiven them or maybe we haven't forgiven them again. It gets heavier and we get bitter and we get more angry. And every time we see them or anybody that looks like them, all of that anger just becomes right back out at us, right? God is going, hey, I want to release you from that power that that has, that the offense that they had over them, right? And we see here in Matthew 18 that there's a difference between, yes, I have forgiven them, but it's going to take some work for the reconciliation to to take place, right? For the relationship to be healthy because reconciliation is a two-way road, right? It's a two-way road. It's not only me, I'm willing to do the work, but if they're not, now the reconciliation, I mean, it just physically can't happen, right? But God's goal, God's aim, God's hope, God's heart is for reconciliation. It is for the hard work of that because God wants us together and His people, His children, coming together in that. And I believe God's heart and desire is that right there, firstly, when we come one-on-one, we're able to work it out right there, right? Because we're both walking with the Lord so closely. We go, okay, I'm fighting for this relationship, right? I'm not saying don't ever not fight to be right, but we're fighting for the relationship too, right? We're fighting for the, and if we're fighting for just to be right, sometimes we'll sacrifice the relationship, just to be right, right? But if we're fighting for the relationship and for what is right, 
then I think our tone changes a little bit, right? The position and the posture that we take when we have to have these conversations begins to change a little bit because my goal, my hope, and my purpose is that we will come out of this stronger, right? And I, and I get convicted of this from every layer of my relationships, right? At the, at the workplace, at, uh, my, with my spouse, with my kids, right? Like, I, I, like all of these different layers I get convicted of because for me, I want us to grow out stronger for that of what God calls us to. But if we get hung up on those offenses and it, it'll start to add weight to us over and over and over again. We were doing some uh, pastoral training overseas and they were walking around they were just asking us questions, you know, just it could be questions about God. It could be practice of the church. And they started telling this story of going, you know, uh, there's this uh, there's this thing up in the mountains and they're saying they're Christians. And whenever they have a conflict, they uh, they say they, they pull them out into the middle of the field and they fight, physically fight. And whoever comes out on top, they say the Holy Spirit is on that person more than the other. Right. Like I'm, I'm looking at him like, oh, 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 hold up. <laughs> right. Like, hold on a second. Right. And so we see this picture begin to play out and we get to begin to teach them. Right. Because we're laughing like that's crazy talk. Right. But up on the mountain in Honduras, you know, they're like, this is what needs to happen. This is how it's going to happen. But if we have to look at God's word to go, how do we resolve conflict? Right, like what's the godly way to resolve this so we come back stronger, so we can walk together in this? And God gives us that picture of what it looks like, and it is so important to God. It is so heavy on his heart. And we see how heavy it is on his heart in Matthew chapter 5, when he says, you come to me for prayer and praise, and yet... You have something against your brother and it's weighing his calls y'all division and all these different things. He's like, go back and try to reconcile that first and then let's come back and talk, right? It's so important to him that he raises that. And the only way that you and I are going to be able to live in this hope and to experience this freedom and to grow from the conflict and grow from the uh, resolution is, is that we experience God's love first. And I love 1 John chapter 4. And it is so crystal clear. And he doesn't beat around the bush here as he starts here in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. It says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born, has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. What a beautiful picture, right? He always takes us back to the cross. We love one another because love is from God. Beloved, if God loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. And this is the part that really got me here in verse 12. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another... God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. 
He gives us this picture that we can't physically see God, but when you and I decide to love other people the way that God is loved, people can see God through us, right? Like what an amazing picture of relationships in our lives that we have the opportunity to live on a kind of mission that when we love and we forgive and we fight for reconciliation, all of these things in our relationships, people look at our lives and go, wow, that's different. That's, that's, this is different kind of love. This is, you're willing to forgive me, right? Like you're willing to work this hard to make this happen. You're coming together even though everyone falls short and you're willing all of these different pieces, right? And we see this picture, but then the outside world looks in and goes, man, that's, that's love. That's what love looks like. This is how we're supposed to interact with each other. And this is how we're supposed to work for each other because I get a picture of Jesus, Every time I'm holding on to unforgiveness, I get a picture of Jesus on the cross. And the most powerful picture of forgiveness to me is when Jesus has been nailed to the cross. He's got the crown of thorns shoved on his head, right? He's already been whipped and beaten uh, beyond recognition. And he's, they're lifting his body up onto the cross where he will suffocate hanging on the cross. And as they're lifting him up, His words were, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they're doing, for they know not that they have sinned. Can you imagine that picture? The physical pain that those people just put him through. I mean, he's staring into the eyes of the guy who took a nail and hammered it through his wrist, right? And he's looking at them going, Father, forgive them, for they know not, right? I just thought that picture to me. And God looked at me and he forgave me in that way too. He looked at me when I was an enemy of God, running from him. I did not choose him. I knew him and I still chose to run. And he said, you know what? I'm still sent my one and only son to die on the cross for you. To forgive you first, right? To pursue you first. And I love this picture in 1 John chapter 4. It says, not that we love God, but that he first loved us. That's where our focus is. That's where our heart is and that's where we get refilled is focusing back on the love that God has for us because God is the standard of love he's the one we have to look to we can't look to the world and we can look to other people if they're reflecting the love of God but ultimately we look to the word of God and look to God as the Holy Spirit guides us and goes okay this is what love looks like and I remember recently as uh, I was working through reconciliation with somebody and began to think about it. And I, 1 Corinthians 13, I was actually doing a wedding. And I love to read 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. There's a line in here that the Holy Spirit was like, hey, Dan, you remember this one? Love keeps no record of wrong. And I was like, oh, wait a second. Right? Like, you, you start arguing with God, like, wait a second. Like, dear, you, you, come on, God. Like, right? And just look at it. Love keeps no record of wrong. And I'm just like, oh, is that real, right? And the Holy Spirit reminds me every time God keeps no record of wrong with you. All those things that every time you fall short, the, the promise of God 
is that you and I, when we bring it to the feet of Jesus, the blood of Jesus wipes us clean. We are made new, a new creation in Christ. And when Christ and when God looks at us through the lens of Christ, he no longer sees our shortcomings. He no longer sees our sin. He no longer sees all of those things. Right. And because he's looking through the lens of Jesus and he sees me who is now made holy, not because of what I have done, but because of what Jesus has done. And it is not of this world. It is not even of our own selfish desires because everything in us is fighting against that, isn't it? Everything in us is fighting. We're going, no, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, right? We see that in the Old Testament. We're like, can we go back to that, God? Right? Like, can we have this moment? And Jesus goes, hey, you've heard that. But I've called you to forgive. Now, you may not reconcile with everyone because maybe they haven't changed. But you still need to forgive so that you can release the power that it has over you. So that you can live in the freedom that God has provided for you. But it's taken that moment of trusting God first. And so as I close today, I just I want to challenge our hearts to go on. If relationships are that important, right? That you and I are called to fight for, yes, we're going to forgive, but also fighting for reconciliation. That's the goal. That's the hope. That's the aim. It's not always going to happen, right? There's going to be a moment where maybe we have to release them up to God and move forward towards God. But yet we need to go back to forgiveness and going, you know what? No, I need to forgive them. Forgiveness, most of the time, is not a one-time thing, not a one-time occurrence. We have to go back, maybe forgive them again, whatever it may be, right? And we see this peace begin to play out because God wants us to realize the importance that relationships have inside of our lives and that the relationships are worth fighting for. But God wants us to fight fair, right? He wants us to fight fair even if we're the accuser. I mean, even if we've been hurt, but also on the other side, right? If I've hurt someone else, I got to go to the Bible and understand how to fight fair on that side of it too, right? Like I can't keep bringing it back up. I can't keep, you know, like all of these things, right? I have to learn to fight fair on the others on both sides of the coin because God is saying I want to release you to live in the freedom to where you're not weighed down it's it's challenging your thoughts and your minds and because what's going to happen is that yes we we maybe have that moment but it'll start to leak over into other relationships and then in other relationships even though maybe we've cut them off completely but if we're still hanging on to the bitterness guess what in the next relationship it's going to come back up at some point right and we got to dig that thing back out of going nope God's forgive me of this I'm moving forward and we're moving God's going to heal me in that it may take some time it may take some work but if God can do the mighty work of healing and if we release it to him he will work on it right work on their heart because we don't have to do all the work we rely on the power of the Holy spirit to work in their heart and in our heart and we're just trusting and yielding in him we do all that we can but yet at the end of the day we give it back to god and going god you have to work in this right because i believe i told you i was closing but i promise i'm gonna close i believe if we walk through this you and i get more peace when we release them to god Right. Because you're like, I've, I've I mean, I've did everything. The Bible asked me to do this and this and this. And I did that. And now I'm releasing them to God and I can have this peace that I released them to God because I did all that I can. Now it's up to that person and God. Right. But if I haven't done that, now I'm carrying another low level 
layer of guilt, right? Of going, oh, maybe I didn't make, you know, all these things. But yet I know because I can stand on the word of God and not necessarily my feelings. I can stand on what God's word says and it gives me peace in and through that. And so for us, no matter where we're sitting in our life, maybe for you, uh, you and I, we, we are going back and it's just like Matthew chapter five. And you're saying, you know, I came to church, I'm ready to worship, but there's something, a conversation I need to have, right? There's forgiveness that I need to give back, whatever it may be. Or maybe I'm in this process with somebody and, I'm, and I just keep hanging on and keep hanging on and they keep pulling me away, pulling me away. And I just need to release them to God. Whatever it may be, wherever we are, my prayer is that we take that step today. And that's a faith step, right? Because we're trusting God with our lives and our relationship. And we all fall short. Every one of us. We're going to face some kind of conflict. And God's given us this method, this way of life to help us grow in it so that we can grow stronger from it. But it only comes from experiencing the love of God. And so maybe you've been kind of bouncing from relationship to relationship. It could be friendship and other things. And you're realizing, well, maybe I'm doing that because I've never truly experienced love. I don't have a relationship with God. I've never surrendered my life to him. And my prayer is that you would do that today because it says God is love. We can't experience and allow God's love to flow through me if I've never truly surrendered to the one who is love and gives us a picture of what love looks like. And so I just want to pray for us today. If you want to have a relationship with Christ, you can fill out one of those connect cards. You can come see me. We can pray together. And I believe God wants to do a mighty work in us. But I believe today, my prayer, my hope, is that we can release some things today, right? We can believe, we can take steps of faith of whatever that may look like in our lives to move forward in our lives so we can experience God fully working through us. But let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word, so much for your truth. God, I pray that you would move in a mighty way. God, I just, I believe that you are calling us, that your, your goal, your aim, and your purpose is not only forgiveness, but reconciliation, God. And I just pray if anybody is walking in this place and maybe they have a relationship or someone in their life that they've actually walked through all of those Matthew 18 steps. God, I pray today can be a day where they release that person up to you. And they can have a piece of what you're doing inside of their life, inside of their heart, God. I pray that you give us courage to step forward into maybe a, a conversation we need to have one-on-one with someone, God. I pray that you help us to manage our emotions in that and what that looks like. Because we want to take those steps, God, because you want to bring people together. And God, I pray at the end of the day, it's not about a particular method and we know that, God. It's about our heart. And God, I just pray that you fill us up with your love, Jesus. That we become so fixated on you and your word. God, that you guide every step, every conversation, every moment that we have with someone else in the relationships around us, God. God, I pray that we just yield to the Spirit every day. Because I believe the Holy Spirit will lead us into the truth. Will lead us, God, because you are the way, the truth, and the life for every aspect of our life, God. And I just pray right now, God, in the name of Jesus, if anybody is carrying any kind of anger or bitterness, I pray that today will be the day that they place it at your feet, Jesus. 
I pray that you release them, God, in Jesus' name. I pray that they experience this utmost freedom and this utmost peace. Maybe they've never experienced before in their life because of what someone did to them, God. I pray today is the day that they find it in themselves to be forgiven by you so they can forgive the other person too, God. God, I pray that you do your mighty work, that the Spirit work in us, God. We love you. We ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Let's stand and worship together. Thank you for tuning in to the Bridge Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can simply visit our website at thebridgebluffton.com. Have a blessed day.